Today, uh, we continue our study of the Gospel of John with chapter 12. This is the passage after the raising of Lazarus when uh, the, 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 the powers that be are worried that all the world has gone after Jesus. Uh, they feel the threat. And we pick up the story in chapter 12, beginning with verse 20. Listen for the word of the Lord. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies... It remains just a single grain, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. What, what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No! It is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said, it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Messiah remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus said to them, The light is with you for a little longer. Walk while you have the light, so that the darkness may not overtake you. If you walk in the darkness, you do not know where you are going. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become children of light. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We hear a story of somebody riding into town. It makes you think of Hollywood westerns where Roy Rogers rides in on Trigger. Or the Lone Ranger rides in on Silver. Or Zorro rides in on Tornado. Or Matty Ross rides in on Little Blackie. That's a true grit, right? You gotta get a true grit story in there. But they're all the same story, aren't they? The story of the rugged individualist. The society has fallen apart. The cattle barons are corrupt. The local law enforcement's cowardly. The railroad barons are thieves. Evil men do what evil men do. So in rides the hero on a horse who saves the day. The myth of redemptive violence. If there's just enough violence, then we will be saved. You have to ask the world, how's that working out for you? Sometimes we get caught up in the weeds, 
talking about the Jewish nature of the Messiah, and we miss the broader picture that it's pointing to, which is to say this is a commentary about all sorts of messiahs. There have been countless messiahs in history when the world becomes intolerable and aimlessness, a malice, a malicious spirit, and the culture seems to have become corrupt, uh, religions lose their power to guide, politics seems to be uh, incompetent. So they look for a messiah who brings a utopian picture of, of how the world will be changed, changed through technology. If we just had the right technology, we'd be saved. If we just had the right rationality, people who could really think their way through things. If we just had enough strength uh, of arm to kick out the bad guys, or a Messiah who will tell us what to do, or better yet, do it, in, do it himself or have God do it for us. In times of political confusion and economic malaise, it's a breeding ground for messiahs and their movements. In a world like that, along comes Jesus, not on a horse, not on a chariot, not on a tank armed to the teeth, muscled up and ready to do battle. Along comes Jesus on a donkey, a symbol that says it all, which is to say, if you were expecting Captain America or Josie Wales or Rooster Cogburn, well, it's a different image. It's a different picture. When you see Jesus riding into the capital city on a donkey, you can't help but smile. Jesus is not the Messiah they expected. Theologian Edward Skillebeck says he is, in fact, the anti-Messiah Messiah. The anti-Messiah Messiah. Yes, he is the Messiah, but not like anybody else has ever dreamed about. Remember when we started our Lenten journey, we had Jesus being tempted for 40 days by, uh, by, by Satan, by the devil. The temptations there are, are the easy satisfactions of, of bodily hungers or, or the, the religious power that'll do it all for us or political power that, that embodies power itself, which is to say the temptations of Jesus are to be one of those traditional messiahs. But they end up perpetuating the old system, which is to say enslaving system to the logic of what has always been. Ideological convictions that distort perceptions and deaden moral sensibilities. They become ideologies that rule over us and increasingly make us give in to hate and vengeance and violence as the solution ideologies that want to make the world smaller in order to make it more safe for us, and, and doing that by excluding and eliminating everyone who is not like us. An arrogant sort of security that cuts us off from other people and keeps us bumbling along in the dark. Jesus comes as a deliberate contradiction to what everyone expects riding not on a chariot, but on a donkey, a reversal of values. The people shout, save us, save us, Hosanna, save us. But Jesus gives them a very different image of what it means to be saved. 
supreme greatness in his way of saving is found in service. The Gospel of John is very careful with the words chosen. The Greeks who come along, they're outsiders. They're people they're not supposed to deal with. They're the, the unwashed. Uh, and, and yet Jesus talks to his disciples, indicating that he very clearly is going to talk not just to the Greeks, but to all people. You see, seeing is a dominant issue in the Gospel of John. There have been a whole lot of people who have been seeing Jesus without really seeing him. Remember we talked last week that it's not that seeing is believing, but in the Gospel of John, believing is seeing. And so we are charged this week in Jesus' words, believe in the light. It is a challenge to view our faith from a different perspective. In John's Gospel, there's lots of symbols, but in particular, one of those symbols is that image of light. And we hear that Jesus is the light of the world, the light of life, the light that comes in the darkness. He is the light, the one who helps us to see, to perceive what is going on in the world. Believe in the light. He's always about believing, which has to do with looking and truly seeing. He is the light, and the light reveals what really matters in life, where the action is, what is going on, what is true, what matters most. He reveals how God sees the world, and God sees the world through eyes of love, through eyes of grace. You can't capture Jesus or hold him down any more than you can capture a beam of light. To be faithful is a continuous process of seeing the eyes, seeing the world, not through cash register eyes, not, not through the eyes of violence, not through the eyes of hatred, but seeing the world through the light of Christ's love and his grace, which is not an easy thing to do. And yet it's possible as we see in the life of Jesus. To see the world through the eyes of love is a continuous process of, of asking what God seems to be saying, of testing that out with others in the community, of, of reassessing and of growing in our faith and understanding. Not assuming that we've got it all down pat, but of constantly growing in discovering what it means to look through the eyes of love and grace, to see the world anew. When we can see the world through eyes of love and see this humble man riding in on a donkey, then it makes us humble too. And we could look at ourselves with the eyes of love, which allows ourselves to test ourselves, to see our own mistakes, our own faults, our own sins, to correct ourselves, our habits, and to live anew, seeing the world in the light. It has to do with discovering in life what counts, what ultimate reality is all about. The passage in this 
reading this morning expands Jesus' ministry from a regional, tribal sort of orientation. When he starts to speak of the Greeks, the Greeks want to see him. It's a, it's a message that he widens for all the world, which is to say in a world that keeps on wanting to fear the stranger, the other, the outsider, Jesus embraces the stranger through the eyes of love. Love is a different way of being Messiah, of saving. It doesn't depend on, 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 on technical eyesight or whether you have the right hearing aid or not. It's about a willingness to perceive and embrace the lifestyle of love that seeing and believing and living in the light is all about. I love the Gospel of John because Jesus seems to always be on the move and he says, whoever serves me must not, not simply believe, but follow me. He must follow me. Jesus on the move calls people who are gonna be on the move uh, because it is about being, it is about living, it's about acting and doing. Believe in the light so that the light may be in you and you may be children of light. Children of light who are free to know that we are loved. Jesus goes on to say the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies. It remains a single grain, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus gives us the image of what is glory in the world? All these people are going after, after all this glitz and glamour and wealth and, and, and uh, media time. And, and what Jesus points out is true glory in the world is to serve so that love becomes manifest. If only for a moment for people to see that it's possible to live a life fully in the light of God's love. The crucifixion is the glory of the Messiah, the light of love. And Jesus shows us that violence does not change things. Violence just perpetuates more violence. Rather than inflict more suffering, Jesus takes the suffering onto himself in the ways of love. And he comes into power, into authority, based on that willingness to sacrifice himself. We live in a fearful society that is devoured by anxiety. And in our anxiety, we can often take, we can often justify taking extreme measures that we think will make us safe, but it never does. In God's world, the rule of love is the answer. To figure out, not an easy, answer, but to figure out how love can be embodied in, 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 in human ways so that we can go out and be alive in the world in the light of Christ through concrete actions and policies that, 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 that embody this love in ways that fear is dissipated like fog in the bright sunshine. The fear is dispatched and enemies can be turned into allies and foes can become friends. Jesus, the anti-Messiah, Messiah, the Lord, the light, believe in the light. You wonder, don't you? 
if this image of Jesus riding in on a donkey is an image of a, of a political religious savior who, who works through the ways of love, what a press release would come, uh, would, would, that would come out of, of, of this leader's office. It would say something like, there really is enough food and goods in the world for everyone, so greed is no longer necessary. There really is a perfect love that can cast out fear so we can stop being afraid of people who are different and we can start melting down those guns that kill so many and turn them into solar panels to catch more light, to be children of the light. One seed planted turns into many. We are the result of Jesus planting. We are the result of the crucifixion and the resurrection. His power works among us to inspire the ways of love. We see that in one another, maybe not at every moment, but truly, truly we see that among the people of God as, as they sacrifice themselves, live in the light, and themselves bear the fruit. That is the kind of fruit that Jesus, that Jesus gives, the fruits of love. Jesus is lifted up, lifted up on the cross, made higher by the crucifixion, the ways shining forth, the ways of vulnerability and love, a sacrificial love that the anti-Messiah Messiah gives to the world to give light, that a new way of living, a new way of being is possible. Not captive to fear and threats, not captive to the principalities and powers, not captive to the pressures and demands and directions of the world, but free to love and therefore free to live, free to be our true selves as God calls us to be, people who are powered by the Spirit, dazzled by the crucified one, living in the regime change led by the anti-Messiah, Messiah. Truly love makes demands on those who do not, uh, love makes demands which those who do not love do not understand. But to those who do love, it starts to become evident that this is the way. This is the way where true life will be experienced. We live in a world governed by all sorts of myths and illusions that just perpetuate the violence and exclusion. It's time for a regime change. And in comes Jesus on a donkey who tells us, live in the light. Live in the light. Live in the light of God's love that we may truly become children of light. Amen.